What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas Podcast. Tuesday, February 8th, time of this recording, 7.19 p.m. If you're really picky and want to get personal of knowing every minute of our lives, just Tyler and Lucas hanging out with you today with some new podcasting equipment. Man, we are stoked. We are, we are officially on uh, the Blue Yeti train. We, uh, thanks to our, our friends over at Thrive Fantasy. Um, yeah, we, uh, they, they, they've been, they've been uh, rewarding us uh, handsomely for our efforts. Uh, shoot, we've been happy to work with them. Who am I kidding? But uh, man, we've been able to upgrade a few things around here. We're really excited for the upgrades we have for you uh, coming in the next next few episodes here. But just Tyler and I hanging out with you tonight. Tyler, how how is it going on, in my opinion, the worst day of the week? That's right. Tuesdays, according to Mr. Lucas, are the worst days. No bueno. Because it's just like, because it's just the black day of the week, right? Like, <laughs> what is there to look forward to on Tuesday? Mondays suck. Like we all know Mondays suck. I feel like I've yeah. done this rant on this podcast before. Oh, plenty. I mean, during the summers, you know, we'd record on Tuesday nights and that's why, that's why yep. I, that's why I have some. Nostalgia. And I'm pretty sure the argument went like this. Mondays just always suck. Wednesdays, uh, hump day. Wednesday's hump day. Hump day. Thursday is the day before the, before Friday. And then Friday is the weekend. What well, is there Tuesday. on Tuesday? Nobody says, <laughs> you know what I'm really looking forward to this week? Hump day. Nobody says that. <laughs> no, no. And you will never hear anyone say, you know what? I'm really looking forward to the day before hump day. That, that will never be spoken ever. And if, you, if, if I ever hear someone say that, I'm going to bop him upside the head. Like you need to get something figured out. You That's get, a mean right something. hook I got coming for you. <laughs> um, no, but you, you said it, we get new podcast equipment. Like we, this, it, it's got a whole new vibe to the podcast. So it really does. I'm looking forward to, uh, I love zoom. Zoom has been my friend for many years now. Uh, I love you zoom, but I, I don't like using you for podcasting. Uh, we're, we're going to make a transition here, hopefully to, um, Riverside FM, uh, not a sponsor, uh, nowhere even close to a sponsor, but, uh, I think they're going to have a lot more of the tools that we need to make this podcast even better for you all. So, uh, we're looking excited to get that transition started and man, we're going to come in hot to the 2022 season. Uh, we'll preview a little bit of the 2022 season today. We have our top 20 are way too early top 20 quarterback rankings for you today along with a little uh report card of the head coaching hirings from around the league but we gotta get started with the news and notes from the past week uh not a ton there's a few items of relevance but nothing nothing that's super groundbreaking maybe the most groundbreaking and probably the most groundbreaking let's be real is we have a new team in Washington. We no longer have a football team in Washington. <laughs> the commanders are in Washington. Washington football team 
has decided after two long years on a team name and they settle keyword settle on the commanders i think my silence indicates <laughs> if you're not watching the video you could tyler and i are sitting here just like trying to hold back laughter and we're just like smiling it's, it's like, like it's nervous laughter right like it is. it's just like ah <laughs> Good, nice, nice, nice. Right, that's what it is. It's nice. I, I guess. I, I guess. The fans outdid the organization. I think that's the conclusion I've come to. The fan, the the, the fans. Because what, what? Some. I think my favorite was the Red Wolves. That would have been sweet. There was some sweet fan art for that. Uh, the jerseys. Oh my goodness, those jerseys were absolutely incredible. The fan, the fan down one. We'll, we'll get to the, we'll get to the organizational ones. I'm telling you, the, the stuff the fans did, I think, was better than what the Washington football team actually came out with. I mean, the, the Washington Commanders. Excuse me, that's the first error I've made on that. The Washington <laughs> Commanders have come out with. I mean, look, the name isn't horrible by any no. stretch of the means. No. But when you see fan designs of jerseys on Twitter that look better and suit the name Commanders better than what the actual jerseys are, you almost no, I'm you don't almost you do want to go back to just having the Washington football team. I'll say it. <laughs> we all got used to it. I mean. I didn't mind football team. I get that there's a buildup and you have to pay it off with a, a name change, but like that could not, that, that it could not have gone any worse for a, for a, a name release, a Jersey release, everything. It just, it fell short and it fell hard. Oh, way hard, way hard. It, it fell hard. Scale one to ten. How would you think of of the logo, the new Washington Football Team, Washington Commanders logo? You have so I guess let's 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 talk about two of them. You have essentially the Washington, the previous Washington Football Team logo, now just has a few extra lines in it. Yep, that's like a two out of ten. You put no effort into that. It's something. I mean, it looks okay, but like mm-hmm. you may as well just shade the whole thing gold like you did before. Exactly. I mean, two out of 10 for me. You can say 2. zero. 2.5. 2.5. Okay. <laughs> You'll be a little 5. bit more generous. I mean, two, the 0. 0.5 goes to the like the marketing team. It's <laughs> just a brownie it, point. Right? Like, like, you tried. You I'll tried. Nice. You tried. Uh, the commander's logo. Uh, so they have like the seal, the seal, I think is the best one. Um, and that's like a five out of 10. Like I would never encourage that to be on like a helmet or anything. So that's why I kind of want to skip over that one. Cause that one's not like helmet or Jersey worthy really. So the other one I want to talk about though, is the one that just quite literally says Washington and then commanders is in like lines underneath it. And that one's like a three out of 10 because you put no effort into that. I picked a random font from Microsoft Word. I bolded commanders and just put Washington above it. 
I I mean the emblem, right? The emblem with like the W. The emblem and the seal, right? Yeah. So, as Minnesota sports fans, the local baseball team here, the Twins, right? Growing up, right, it was the pinstripe jerseys and the logo, right, was the TC, right, like on the hat and stuff, and that that was the logo. And there, I mean, you had the the um you also had the m right but like it was just those two right and then it was right as they're going into target field that they introduce this emblem that says like minnesota twins like baseball club and everyone's like the heck is this you could have just kept it with the letters (laughs) the tc and the m were perfect you didn't need to do anything so i give the emblem a zero you didn't need it you didn't need it. It was the best designed one. It That's was the unfortunate still a zero. You didn't need it. It's not going on a helmet. It's not going on a hat. It's it's just there. You didn't need it. Ugh. And then the Microsoft Word logo. One. That's not creative at all. It just oh. They should forfeit their first round pick in the draft this year for like, it's just brutal, brutal. Washington, consider this my, uh, consider this my application to join your marketing team. I graduated from the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire in four years with a marketing analytics degree. I had an internship with the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire, working with their, their marketing and integrated strategic communications department. Uh, I will make things better for you. I'm no artist. I'm no creative mind, but I can guarantee you I can come up with a better name and logo and jersey design than what you guys came up with. Mm, that's just frustrating. I'm not even a fan of the team. I'm not even a fan of the team. We're a fan of football. <laughs> Oh, I'm not even going to get into the jerseys because we already expressed our frustration with the jerseys. They were probably like one out of 10 jerseys. They were, they were pretty bad. (laughs) Okay. I'll say this about the jerseys. I get the black like design, but the rest of your color scheme doesn't go with black. It doesn't. (laughs) Six, I like a sore thumb. And it may have just been Jonathan Allen, right? Because he was the one that was wearing it in the press release or whatever. And he's got his like the D tackle face, you know, face guard, right? The mask with like the the bar that splits between the eyes, right? It was not a good look. Just not a good look. No, unfortunately, it was not. I just Washington, you Two years. I think that's the letdown. This was two years, and you you let everybody down. It's all right. We'll still accept you in the league, and we'll probably still pay to watch you on Sunday. So uh, moving on to, to the rest of the news from this past week, I'm going to breeze through all this. Alvin Kamara arrested in Las Vegas for battery after Sunday's Pro Bowl. Um, Just sad. Unfortunate. Got out on bail. We'll see what kind of suspension he has coming for him. Don't know too many details. Can't really do too much speculation on that. Other than there's probably some sort of penalty coming for Alvin Kamara. We'll see what that is in the coming weeks, probably. I'm guessing there'd be something issued, but also 
I don't want to say he did it at the perfect time. Cause it sounds like I'm condoning the crimes he did, but also like, there's not much to penalize you for right now. Like you're, you're penalizing him five months from now, which I suppose you can do if you the league, but regardless, uh, externally processing Aaron Rodgers bought land in a Nashville suburb, currently building a home on said land reportedly open to joining the Tennessee Titans. This is a bunch of hubbub, 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 blue, whatever you want to call it. A bunch of, bunch of hogwash means nothing. Let the man buy a house where he wants to. (laughs) I love the fact that we can live in a world where an NFL player can buy land where there's a local football team in the area. And everyone's like, oh my goodness. He's going to go to Tennessee. And then we also have people just un, you know, unfollow and delete all pictures of the team that they're playing on. And everyone's like, he wants out. He wants out. Hey, now that's something I want to get to though. Cause I, I do. <laughs> so here's the thing. I also think we're like in, I feel like those are two very different actions. Cause that's a, well, let, let, let me say this before we get to that piece of news. So I won't spoil it. Uh, Mike Vrabel who had a contract extension this week. Uh, Titans GM did as well. Good for them. They deserve it. Uh, that team has been uh, performing above expectations. So they uh, absolutely are well-deserving of those contract extensions. Uh, here's what we get to, though. Kyler Murray, after the Pro Bowl on Sunday, deleted everything on his Instagram, except for a picture of him uh, after winning the Heisman at Oklahoma, and uh, a picture of him and C.D. Lamb and a few other Pro Bowl photos as well. I think we're in, so, so this is so right. We're in a time where I think, I, th- I think we're over, over analyzing like an everyday thing a human does, right? Like buying a house is just something we as a society do. I feel like if you're a star player and you just go and just like make this like indirect public statement and delete everything on your social media, I feel like we just can't let that go unignored or just like, like there's something behind it. You like, you don't just go do that. Right. Like if you're on a platform that Kyler is, you know, eyes are on you. I feel like there's a message trying to be sent. There's a message. Yeah. Yeah. There's a message trying to be sent here. I just, I don't think it's as serious as everyone's making it out to be. It's, I mean, look, you said it best. It's, it shouldn't go untalked about, but at the same time, is this maybe just the time that we're desperate for headlines because we're just in the waiting for the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl was just that boring? Slow news week. Yeah, nothing's happening until the Super Bowl. Everything. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's not leaving. He's still on a rookie contract. He's not leaving. <laughs> Right. I think this is more about an extension than it is like a trade destination or anything. Like, I think this is more so like, all right, we need to get this extension done. You need to pay me money. But also like, if you pay me money, you're not going to be able to protect me. <laughs> like, so there, I, I don't know. You, you, you have a full side, but anyways, uh, that happened. We can speculate on that all we want, but I don't think anything's happening. I think Kyler Murray is going to be an Arizona Cardinal next year. Um, and we didn't bring this up last week. I think this was because we were in the midst of mourning our, inability to hire Jim Harbaugh as Minnesota Vikings fans, but Brian Flores did file a lawsuit against the NFL last week. 
Uh, that's kind of old news at this point. I won't, I won't go too in depth on it because at this point, if you haven't seen it, you've been living under a rock. If you haven't seen all the photos and the details of the lawsuit, um, you've either just chosen not to, or <laughs> you just haven't taken the time to read through it. Um, either way, that is open. Uh, he did not land a head coaching job. I mean, I, I'm so hesitant to say stuff like this. What did you expect? You filed a lawsuit against your employer. If I went and filed a lawsuit against my employer right now, I guarantee you I would not be working on campus with students right now. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say much other than that because it's a very delicate topic and I, we, we're not going to be able to spend enough time on it for what we, for else, what else we have in this podcast to do justice. So um, there is an interesting um, conspiracy. Isn't the right word, but an interesting mindset an interesting phenomena going on in the NFL surrounding African-American head coaches, but we won't, uh, we won't open that can of worms this episode, but we are going to talk about the head coaching hirings in the NFL. All nine vacancies have been filled. Finally, I should say finally, it all happened pretty quickly, actually, and not officially filled. The Minnesota Vikings still haven't officially hired their head coach, but I think it's a foregone conclusion at this point from, from both sides. So um, let's just get right into it. We, the fancy football fellows, made a report card for every single head coach hiring. We, uh, we gave our grades. We averaged out our grades. Uh, I think if I were to go back and redo some of mine, I think I would be a little bit more harsh on some of my grades. I think I was a little too optimistic and more so what I thought would be best for the team. I think I got a little bit too much of like what I thought would be best mixed with like the actual situation, but regardless, um, let's start in the order in which all these coaches were hired Denver Broncos. They got their guy first, and they got Nathaniel Hackett, Green Bay Offensive Coordinator. We talked about this a little bit, uh, I think, in previous episodes, but we the fellas gave that hiring a B. Now, I think if I were to go back and redo it, I think I would give that hire a C plus. Really? It's contingent on Rodgers. In my mind, we, you and I talked about this, right? It's contingent on Rodgers. They bring in Rodgers. That's an A. It's automatically an A hiring because they brought in Aaron Rodgers. Matt LaFleur was calling almost all the shots in Green Bay. And Matt LaFleur is the product of a product. I shouldn't say the product of a product. He's Nathaniel Hackett is the product of a product. That's how I wanted to phrase that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, LaFleur was kind of connected to that whole uh, McVeigh tree, that whole um, Shanahan McVeigh, you, you name it, all those, uh, all those great head coaches, right? Uh, and and Hackett is a product of a product of that, right? And he wasn't even calling all the plays. That was Matt Lafleur calling all the plays. So I think I have, I think I just kind of split the difference, and I went with a B because, like, it wasn't like a home run hire, but if they, if they land Aaron Rodgers, it's a home run hire. I, yeah, my grade personally was a B. That's dependent on whether Rodgers, you know, 
goes to Denver or not. And just a little side bet on Rodgers, people really need to start taking the idea that he retires more seriously. I don't think it gets talked about enough. That is a very, very, very real option for Rodgers. So, again, I gave it a B. Maybe I, I thought about maybe dropping it down to a B minus just because of how he started to fill in his staff a little bit. He brought the Packers tight end coach as his OC. And I don't know much about the tight end coach, but like there's just not much of a track record. But again, Hackett was in Jacksonville. When was that? 2017? When the Jaguars made their run to the AFC championship. So it's not like Hackett is not experienced. It's not that he, you know, he's had, he's got experience. (laughs) Right. I mean, he, he should be a good hire. Right, you see what they have on offense. If he gets the right defensive coordinator, it could be a really good situation. But when you've got a connection to a guy like Aaron Rodgers and you have a position of need like quarterback, one can assume fairly certainly that you brought him in to get Rodgers. So for now, it's a B, and we'll see what happens in you know, coming months. It's a B right now. Yeah, a B right now. I think that's I think that's the key thing right now. Uh, we'll see what it is in the coming months. I 100% agree. New York Giants, they made their move next, and they got their guy. I freaking love this hiring. Brian Dable to the New York Giants. And let me tell you, he is building one heck of a staff there, too. Like, this is just an A on all fronts. This isn't even like a, like, uh, you know, like B plus or optimistic. We'll see how it goes. Like, no, this is like they brought in a guy who's turned Josh Allen into an absolute superstar uh, who knows how to run a pretty good offense. Like been with some of the, well, he shoot, he coached with Nick Saban in Alabama, uh, been running one of the best offenses up in Buffalo. Now he gets to go to New York, work with a lot of dynamic pieces in that offense, right? It's not like the giants are the New York jets kind of filled with like, okay, there's some good pieces here. Like Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay. Uh, Kadarius Tony is just dynamite waiting to explode, right? Like Dable's got some awesome pieces, just brought in Wink as his defensive coordinator. I home run higher. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that Daniel Jones is going to be the next Josh Allen. That's just blasphemy. But I'll tell you what, Daniel Jones might look like a, more than a serviceable quarterback next year. This guy he checks off all the boxes that the giants needed, right? He's got intangibles. He's been to Alabama. Like you said, he's been to new England. He's been in Buffalo and each of those places. He's gotten a taste of what success is like, and he knows what systems work. He knows what players need to succeed intangibles. He checks that off culture change. Check that off too. This dude breeds culture. Like that's all he does is culture. And I don't think there's enough. I mean, maybe Miami, just with all the allegations about, you know, that Flores brought up and stuff, maybe Jacksonville, definitely Jacksonville. But the Giants were arguably the one place that needed the biggest culture change. Dayball's going to change that culture in no time. So, again, home run, A, I, I don't think there's ever such thing as an A-plus in football. 
but this is as close as you can get to an A plus. I think this I think this was the best hiring in this coaching cycle. I think that's where we'll leave it. I think this was the best hiring in this coaching cycle. I was surprised uh, how many people didn't interview Dable. Because it right. seemed like maybe it was only the Giants. Who else? The Dolphins. Miami they, had a, they, brought him in, they were going to bring him in for a second interview. Right. And then I think I think that was it. The, the like Bears. Just those, the Bears, oh, the Bears. too. Which you but look yeah, at who the Bears coach is. Yeah, I mean, you look at who the Bears coach is and you're like, really? <laughs> you chose you chose that guy over Dayball. But again, we'll get there. But it was oh, he's shocking. Next. To... We can just transition right to him. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah. A grade for Dayball. Move on to Chicago. C plus for uh, Everflus. 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 I still hear it. I Ever, I hear it. I'm telling you, top news networks still aren't saying the same thing. So, uh, Eberflus, Matt Eberflus, look, he he's run some pretty good units in Indy. Like, I'm not like he's not like some slouch. He's not like a. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that like Matt Eberflus is just like the worst hire of the cycle because he certainly isn't. But you have Todd Bowles, who's worked with a lot of stud pieces in Tampa that Chicago already has set up for him. I Here's the other thing. I truly think Dan Quinn was their guy before he's like, actually, I'm going to go back to Dallas. Uh, I think he was probably the higher over Iberflus. Uh Iberflus has been good. Indy's been top 12 in DVOA. I believe it's been four out of the three out of the last four seasons. Uh, 2019, they were uh, 19th in DVOA. My thing with that, though, is like... Indy still had some good pieces. They had DeForest, DeForest Buckner, uh, they, Darius Leonard, uh, he coached. Uh, he ended up being defensive rookie of the year, I believe. Um, I, like, that Colts team still had, like, some good pieces on defense, but they also just ran the ball so freaking much. And I'm not saying, like, you know, time of possession is a direct correlation to defensive performance, but it also – prevents your defense from having to be out on the field so much. And then when your defense isn't out on the field so much, there's less opportunity for teams to rack up yards against them. That's just kind of my theory. I think there were just better defensive hires out there. This is like, you didn't do it wrong, but I don't know if you did it hundred percent. Right. It's that if you ever, I mean, if you listen to the introductory press conference that they had for both the GM and for Eberflus, it's a very strange relationship that they have already. It's, I mean, it's it's choppy, right? And that may just be deliverance, and that's you know that's not a good representation for relationships and all that, but. Lucas, do you remember your message, whether it was in it was in our group chat? <clears throat> it was four defensive coordinators or defensive-minded guys. I think you mentioned Bowles. You mentioned Quinn. I mentioned Bowles. I mentioned Quinn. I mentioned D'Amico Murray or D'Amico uh, Ryans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was one more, and I can't uh, remember who it was. I think Cameron brought up Raheem Morris, but that was one where oh. I'm like, I feel like – that wasn't the right. I don't think he was right for Chicago. Right. Um, Raheem, Raheem was right for a few other teams, I think. 
I don't know if he was for Chicago, but Bull, I thought Bulls should have been the guy there, if not for Dan Quinn. But regardless, you took, continue. You took the words right out of my mouth. I thought Todd Bowles would have been perfect for Chicago. But may I I mean Eberflus has been in the head coaching talk for a while now. So really I mean, I was expecting him to go somewhere. I just wasn't expecting Chicago. What's interesting is the offensive decisions that they're going with. They hired the Packer or uh, no, yeah, Packers QB coach Luke Getze as their offensive coordinator. Under the radar move, and they brought in a whole bunch of other assistants too underneath Getze, more specifically the Vikings QB coach from last year. But 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 but, but before we get into the Homer side of things. This defense should kind of have a resurgence next year just with the defensive-minded head coach and with the right offensive pieces. It's going to help Justin Fields. So maybe a C-plus is a little harsh, but like we said, Todd Bowles, Dan Quinn, you know, some of these other defensive-minded coaches that were available would have been, to to me at least, just a better fit than Eberflus. I feel like you, I just feel like you can't penalize a defensive coordinator for doing more with better talent, right? Like, it's like, oh, Ibraflus, he still had top 12, you know, DVOA defense. I'm like, yeah. And all these other guys had top six DVOA defenses. And like, it's not like they're, like, again, the Colts had pieces on defense. It's not like he was throwing, you know, freaking. Oh goodness! Give me one of the worst D linemen in the league. Um, you know, it's not like Shamar Stephen. Like, <laughs> sure, yeah, Shamar. <laughs> not like they had Stephens out there. Uh, not like they had uh, freaking Cameron Dantzler out there as their cornerback one, right? Like, like they had decent pieces on defense. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you can dock good defensive-minded coaches who are able to maximize the talent of their really good pieces. I just don't think you can dock coaches for that. So if your argument is like, well, Eberflus, man, you know what? He did more with less. Oh, more Coaches did more with more. <laughs> it's not like he was putting these guys top five, right? Like they were hovering right around top 10 in DVOA. So regardless, um, I'm going to fly through some of the rest of these hires, mostly because we don't have time to break these down one by one with all the quarterbacks you have to get through. Um, Las Vegas, Mike McDaniels. Uh, we gave that a B, frankly. Gosh. Josh McDaniels. What did I say? Mike McDaniel? Mike McDaniel. Oh I, yeah. Josh McDaniels. I have, I have McDaniel. I only have last names. I should have just put full names oh. in here for the sake of me just reading off here. Josh McDaniels uh, to Las Vegas. We gave that a B. Frankly, if I were to change my grade, I, I'm much less optimistic on that. Now I think I would give that a C minus now. Um, me personally, what's your updated grade? No explanation. B minus. It's just not that it. I mean, I don't think you can grade solely off of it, a higher being exciting or not, but there's just not much of a, yes, it's new England, but there are a lot of questions. If you take McDaniels out of new England, so we'll see how it goes, but B minus B range for me. Yeah. Uh, there's still excitement there. I just don't like his track record. And frankly, I don't think they need to move on from Basakia. So uh, that's where I'm at there. Minnesota Vikings hire Kevin O'Connell, not officially, but 
pretty much officially, um, unofficially, officially, um, <laughs> uh, we gave that an A minus. Um, I think we were all an A minus across the board there. If it were Jim Harbaugh, would have been an A across all of our boards. I think that's a little bit of disappointment. We get a piece of the Sean McVay tree. Um, again, Sean McVay runs most of the show there, but hey, you know what? I'll take an offensive-minded guy who comes from the McVay system with Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. We'll figure it out on defense. Yeah, yeah my my grade is that B plus A minus range, but if we don't get the defensive coordinator, it's going to drop. Because I mean, been- you can you can win eight games by scoring forty points. But you can also lose nine games because your offense doesn't score 40 points. There's been some interesting names for hire um, that Kevin O'Connell has considered bringing in or that are rumored to be. But I'm not putting any stake in any of these rumors because literally four days ago we were talking about Mike Patine being the defensive coordinator and now his name's just gone, right? Like, yep. <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm not putting any stock into these rumors. So um, for face value right now, Kevin O'Connell, I think A minus. Though I think having to wait to hire him might hurt the Vikings and the rest of the staff he's going to build. Um, that's the last thought there. Jacksonville, Doug Peterson. Um, so as I believe we gave this an A minus. I gave it an A higher personally. Trevor Lawrence is the ticking time bomb for this franchise, and Doug Peterson needs to defuse it. And Doug Peterson was frankly, I think, one of the only guys who probably could. Leftwich was the other guy, and he turned down the gig. So the fact that they got Peterson as a consolation prize, like, I think I'm rewarding that a little bit. It's like, oh, uh, you almost, you you made like the 97% correct decision. I think Doug Peterson is like the 99.9% correct decision. He's a winner. He's good with quarterbacks. And people like people will dock him for his last season in Philly. And I was that person at first, but then also I realized like the circumstances around him just weren't the same when he went to the Super Bowl. Things change. He'll adapt. He's basically a clean slate in Jacksonville. I think he'll be just fine. Miami hires Mike McDaniel. There, I got it. Uh, we gave that an A minus hire. Again, if I were to go back and redo it, I think I'd give it closer to like a B, B plus, only because you put it in hindsight with the Flores stuff. Like how, like, is Mike McDaniel just like the inverse of Brian Flores? Like he's just like the offensive minded Brian Flores. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe if McDaniel. How do I how do I say this? I think it's two very different backgrounds, right? Flores is from Belichick, New England system. McDaniel is from the very, you know, offensive Shanahan tree, right? Both are detailed, but just in different ways. So I think that's a fair argument is that, I mean, we can't say McDaniel is just the offensive Flores, but it's just a, it's just a, it's just a redirection of where the detail is, is emphasized. And, and like, I don't know if like, I guess I kind of get why they wanted to do that. If they're hitching their wagon to Tua, but also at the same time, I just don't like, I just would have loved to see Brian Flores still in Miami. I think he had no reason to be camped. That's kind of where I'm at. Houston, uh, I'm just going to take this one and keep it short because I know you and I both have the exact same opinion on this. Houston hires a Lovey Smith. Houston, what on God's green earth are you doing? You you accomplished nothing. 
you fire David Culley to simply upgrade your assistant head coach. You accomplished nothing. You had how many other candidates out there? Literally any of the other defensive coordinators. Literally any of them. D'Amico Raheem Morris. I would have loved to see Raheem Morris go here. I think Raheem Morris would have been another good fit here. Mm -hmm. And you hire Lovey Smith, who hasn't seen a successful season of football in 15 freaking years. That's including college. Right. Yes. Right. I almost said NFL, but like football, college football too. Hasn't seen a successful season since 2007. What are we doing? Before I New Orleans, I'm just going to move on before I (laughs) New Orleans, (laughs) just scroll next coach, New Orleans, uh, Dennis Allen, uh, B plus is a safe hire. It's not the sexiest hire. It's not the most brilliant hire for where that organization is currently at. It was the correct hire. Um, keep it in house, low turmoil, low stress, whatever. Uh, it, it was a safe and right hire. Yeah. <laughs> you, you said it. It's the right hire. And because it's the right hire, it's not the sexiest. It's a solid right. B plus. Let's move on to the top 20 QBs. We're going to have to tear through these a little bit quickly, but you know what? Uh, we kind of talked about this before we came on the pod. Uh, you know what? sometimes the QBs just don't need as much in-depth stats because the QBs are so close in fantasy points at the end of the season anyways, where frankly, the order in which we have these guys in, it'll probably shift around like three spots at the end of the season. It'll seem like a big difference, but in reality, these guys will only be like seven points apart. They'll literally be a a 10 yard touchdown apart. Right. So let's fly through these quarterbacks are way too early. Top 20 quarterbacks. 2021 starts at quarterback one with 2021's quarterback one in Josh Allen. And he is our consensus quarterback one across the board. He does everything. He runs the football, throws the football, like and, and, and well, he does all these things at a very high level. He runs the football, which is huge for fantasy football, passes the football at a high level, throws touchdowns at a high level. Like, Turns the ball over at a, a good level. I'm not a, maybe, you know, not the best, but like he limits his turnovers more than some other guys. This just feels like the no brainer quarterback one. I know last season it was like we had Patrick Mahomes and it was like, it, it's just because he's Mahomes. We don't really have much of a reason, but Josh Allen, I think has like put himself in terms of fantasy standards at the top of the top tier and frankly, looking at this list, I don't know how many guys really come close. Maybe Mahomes. Maybe. Right. I mean, Mahomes probably has the closest argument for sure. But it's just him. Everything Josh Allen does well for fantasy, like he does, you can pick some of these other quarterbacks and the attributes that they do well for fantasy. Josh Allen is just the entire package. That's it. And that's why he's the quarterback one. Our quarterback two for 2022, Patrick Mahomes. 
He's QB4 in 2021, kind of had a tumultuous season. He's our consensus quarterback two across the board. We all have him at quarterback two. Again, if it's not Allen, it's, it, it's Mahomes. I, I, think that, I think that's about it. I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that, but again, just looking at some of these other names, I can't put them ahead of Mahomes. That offense has figured everything out. If you drop two safeties deep, they're just going to dump it off short. If you play short, they're going to go over the top. They figured it out. So you can't, I mean, yes, Mahomes will have games going into the future where he's like majority of his passes are just going to be short. But when you've got guys like Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, they can take a five-yard catch and take it to the house. And that's points for Mahomes. Enough said there. Uh, they didn't figure out cover two in the second half of the Cincinnati Bengals game. But, hey, you know what? There's always next year. <laughs> They'll work that out in the offseason. Uh, our quarterback three for the 2022 NFL season, Lamar Jackson. Missed quite a few games at the end of the season. Ended up finishing as quarterback 15. You and Cameron have him as quarterback three. I have him as quarterback four. What about Lamar solidifies his status ahead of guys like Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford? Uh, shoot, I'll throw Dak Prescott in there even. Like what, what about Lamar solidifies him ahead of those guys in your eyes? I think the simplest way to put it is rushing upside. But I think a little bit of an in-depth look on it. They use the deep ball this year. Marquise or uh, Hollywood Brown had a career year. You've got Rashad Bateman that played majority of the games this season, but you're going to expect him to take a step forward going into next year. Mark Andrews had the best year of his career, right? Like the weapons were paying off big time because of Lamar and Lamar got hurt. And then they had to turn to Huntley and and stuff like that. But when Lamar was healthy, not only was he distributing well, but he was also helping himself out just because he's Lamar Jackson. So that's my argument for three. I get if there's hesitancy just because he can be inconsistent at times, but you just have to take the upside. His rushing floor like is, is a baseline for most quarterbacks passing every single game. So when you get a rushing floor of 10 fantasy points, every single game, 10 plus fantasy points, uh, all of a sudden all Lamar has to do is score 10 fantasy points with his arm. And he's a top seven quarterback on the week. Right. So uh, I, I totally get the argument. I, I think I'm just a little bit more pessimistic on Lamar Jackson just because of his arm inconsistencies, not because of his arm skill, just his arm inconsistencies. I mean, there's just the massive is Lamar Jackson madly over or underrated talk going on in the football social media community right now. I initially was kind of on that train of like, yeah, you know what? Lamar is overrated. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, you know what? Dude's still actually a pretty talented quarterback. Like, I think I think sometimes we just like to hate to hate. But, no, uh, consensus number three for Lamar, I have, I have no problem with that. I have him at number four. Ooh, one spot behind Kyler Murray, who's our number four <laughs> consensus quarterback. Uh, again, 
missed a few games, very tumultuous season last year. Cam has my quarterback four. Tyler, you have my quarterback five. I have my quarterback three. Look, they got to figure it out. Cliff Kingsbury knows that. He's got to figure this thing out. Otherwise, he's can next year. After how they just got absolutely embarrassed on Super Wildcard Weekend, Cliff needs to figure this out. Kyler Murray has the rushing upside. He's got a fairly good arm, right? Like there are moments where you look at Kyler Murray and and you say that's a top five quarterback in the league. Then there's also times where you look at Kyler Murray and you're like, dude, you got to get some of those college throws out of your head. Like you can't make those throws in the NFL. So there are some massive inconsistencies with Kyler, but he's one where, again, I think if he finds his rushing upside, I like if, if he taps into that again. I like his arm talent more than Lamar's. And Kyle, like, let's not forget, first three weeks of the season, Kyler Murray was 24 plus fantasy points a game. He was a quarterback one, right? Like, he showed how dynamic he actually can be. I'm not ready to give up on that just yet and put other guys ahead of him, though the, the gap has, uh, not even gap, um, the distance between all these other guys is like fractional. I just think Kyler Murray is more of a Russell Wilson than he is a Lamar Jackson. That and no, I, I I don't disagree with that whatsoever. I I don't. I actually think that's a really good comparison. I remember at the beginning of the year, right, and we had a really good look because the Vikings play the Cardinals, and I remember very very vividly during the game, I messaged you and Cam, and I said how can a quarterback go through an entire season of improvising? You can't, it's physically impossible. That's why Russ has such high start, you know, hot starts to the beginning of the season where he's a top three quarterback in fantasy and MVP favorite in the league. Then he just drops off. That happened with Kyler this year. He improvised while, you know, when they were arguably the hottest team in the NFL and they're going eight and one and all that. And then, I mean, it didn't help that he got hurt, but again, you can't improvise your way through a regular season. You just can't, you can't No. So for the meantime, you got to ride the, the, the boom that is Kyler Murray but you also have to be expecting of the, the drop off of Kyler Murray. hundred percent agree. I think that's, that's the ride you just take with Kyler Murray. You know what you're getting. Um, and I, I, again, I'm just sold on Cliff Kingsbury has to figure this out because if he doesn't, he's gone. You got to make Kyler work. You got to make this whole thing work for the sake of the franchise. So, uh, but again, Cam has my QB4, you have my QB5, I have my QB3. We're all in the same ballpark on Kyler Murray here. Uh, because then our next guy, uh, who was quarterback two this past season, Justin Herbert is our consensus quarterback five. Cameron and I have him at quarterback five. You have him at quarterback four. I'm not going to lie. I'm really tempted to put him ahead of both Kyler and Lamar next year. I'm tempted to. Tempted Do it. to. I, I, the arm talent is there. Kid can motor around, 
right? He's not just a statue in the pocket like a Rodgers, a Stafford, a Brady. Happy retirement, Tom Brady. But point being, right, like like Herbert's no slouch. Like that dude is special. Quarterback two season. Again, he was very up and down middle part of the season. But so was everybody else. Unless if your name is I, Josh Allen even had his ups and downs, right? Like we're splitting hairs with some of these arguments. So like, I'm sitting here, I'm almost like talking myself and like, you know what, actually, I don't know how much I actually trust Kyler Murray. I think I trust, I don't trust Lamar quite as much. The big arm still can move around. Might add another nice offensive weapon. I'd love to see a guy like Allen Robinson land down there in, in LA. They got a ton of cap space this off season. I'm just saying, look, I might've just talked myself into Justin Herbert as actually being my, my quarterback three, but regardless, you have met four. So clearly you, you have some optimism on him. It's another year of experience in the offense. And that's, that argument can be counterintuitive, right? You're like, oh, it's another year with the same coach, same system. But it's also another year where, hey, the, my favorite argument of all time, there's film. There's offseason for other teams to finally catch up on your offense. But I think through two years, Herbert has shown that he's just built different. doesn't matter if it's a new coach and a new scheme and going into an offseason doesn't matter what offenses can do. He's just built different. He's great. He's looked great. I was upset initially when he did win, you know, rookie of the year over Justin Jefferson, but still didn't deserve it, but that's an argument for another time. Uh, but, but you can't deny his, his greatness at this point though, right? He has been great. So Josh or not Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, our consensus quarterback five going into 2022. Quarterback six, the Walmart Lamar Jackson himself. Jalen Hurts finished 2021 as quarterback nine. I'll tell you what, I think he would have finished as a top five quarterback if he didn't miss some of those games down the stretch. I mean, the dude was a consistent 20 points until what? Probably week 14. That's when he started missing a game here and there, and then he started... Um, yeah, they, he started becoming more of a pocket passer than he did, you know, an improviser. He didn't have as much garbage time to actually uh, rack up fantasy points for you. But he's our consensus quarterback six going into next season. Cam has him a quarterback seven. You and I both have him a quarterback six. Do I need to say anything more other than like, just like Lamar Jackson, his baseline for rushing is 10 fantasy points. Sometimes 12, because he'll score two rushing touchdowns. And then whatever yardage you get on top of that, his arm talent isn't great. It's his, 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 his reads, um, uh, his progression through his reads. I don't want to overreact. I was about to say it might be the worst in the league. It's not the worst in the league, but uh, it is pretty awful watching film of him miss wide open receivers. It's oh, it's so painful, but his legs. Oh, his legs will get you fantasy points on breakfast, lunch, dinner, midnight snack. He'll get them. He'll get them for you on, on Saturdays, on the weekends. Even he works a nine to five. He'll get them for you on the weekend too. He's that kind of a guy. 
I think I think what we saw out of Jalen Hurts in the passing game, it's not an exact match because I don't think Jalen Hurts coming out of school was a one read guy. He may have been, but it, I just it's not off the top of my head if he was or not. But let's run with the argument that let's say he was a one read quarterback. What we saw this year was that it's a one read quarterback wanting to scan across the field and look for options and not just throw it to the one read guy, right? Like that's a hypothetical. I, yes. But I think what you said, the, the rushing upside again, is a very loosely, it's a very commonly used term, but for guys like Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson, it pays dividends in fantasy. So you you have to put him somewhere in your top 10. It's a fantasy gold mine. Rushing upside is a fantasy gold mine. If you can find a guy who can motor with his legs, you automatically just get even if they don't, even if they don't have the same upside as Lamar and Jalen, right? Like even when Dak Prescott scooted around before you know he he had his lower body injury last year, like Dak Prescott would still get you, you know, a, a bonus four or five fantasy points with his legs every single game. Like that's, that's priceless in fantasy football. And so Jalen hurts his legs alone, really lift him into the top seven. If he did, if he wasn't able to move around, I'll tell you what, I don't know if he'd be in our top 20. That's for sure. Quarterback seven in our rankings for 2022. This guy, actually, I just mentioned Dak Prescott finished 2021 as quarterbacks. I know. <laughs> Whoa. What? Uh, I adjusted my rankings. I initially had Dak at quarterback 10. And then I really thought about it. I'm like, why? That team is getting another year of consistency on offense. Kellen Moore's coming back. That's great for that offense. Dallas had a fairly tumultuous season for the most part. I feel like this is kind of the truth for a lot of these quarterbacks that we've had. We've mentioned so far, um, even though we have coming up, it's just like, They've just had tumultuous seasons, right? Like nothing was consistent with their seasons. So the fact that Dak even finished as quarterback seven last year kind of kind of shocks me. Um, but I mean, he's still gonna have one of the best offensives in the NFL. That Zeke and Tony Pollard one-two punch. I think it's gonna be more of a closer to 60-40 um, split between those two. But you still have CD Lamb, still have Amari Cooper. Uh, you still is Cedric Wilson uh free agent or is he back with the team? I know uh, Michael Gallup's a free agent, so uh, he may or may not stay. But uh, I thought Wilson was a free agent as well, but I don't remember off the top of my head. He might be. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, but all that to say, he still has one of the best one-two punches at wide receiver in the NFL. Mike McCarthy, he like him and Kellen Moore, they're gonna be just fine, right? Like everything there is gonna be just fine. I have Dak at QB eight. Uh, Cameron has him at QB six. You have him at QB nine. You're a little less optimistic. <laughs> I, uh, you know what you were saying about Kellen Moore, and it's another year of the same oh. offense continuity. That's my reason against Dak. Against I use that lightly because sure. he's still top ten, but. We talked about this, I think probably back, you know, a couple episodes when we first were talking about like 
you know, who should each team hire as head coach, right? And it was brought up by yours truly. That Kellen Moore just needs to go back to the basics. Stop oversimplifying it. Like, just, just go back to the basics. You have Amari Cooper. You have C.D. Lamb on the outside. You have Zeke and Pollard in the back. And Dalton Schultz is an emerging tight end. Occasionally run out the three wide receiver set. That's fine. But that shouldn't be the main. Like, when you've got that kind of talent that I mentioned with Cooper and Lamb and Zeke and Pollard and Schultz, you don't need to, like, design all these elaborate plays where Cedric Wilson is the guy to get open. No, 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 no. Just go back to just getting Cooper and, and CeeDee Lamb in space when you're throwing the ball. That's all, like, that was, that's, I guess that's still CeeDee Lamb's, like, greatest asset is yards after catch. Give him the opportunity to rack up the yak. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree. I think, I feel like Kellen Moore has to recognize that going into this offseason, that what he tried to do this past season wasn't working, even though Dallas was still one of the highest scoring, uh, highest um, yardage offenses in the NFL. Um, but you got to go back to the board and realize that just wasn't working. So I, I, get, I get your pessimism. I originally had Dak down at uh, QB 10, so I was there with you. But I actually put our next quarterback down at QB 10 instead after a little bit of thought. Uh, our consensus QB 8 for 2021 is Joe Burrow. Finished the year as QB 8 in 2021. Cam has him at quarterback 9. You have him at quarterback 7. I'm at quarterback 10. I have been so slow to jump on the Joe Burrow hype. Part of it is because I think he is being a tad overvalued. Like he hasn't been Joe Baller in the playoffs entirely, right? He's had some nice games, but like we haven't seen what people fell in love with at the end of the year, the 450-yard Joe Burrow, the, the consistent 325 Joe Burrow. We just haven't seen that as much in the playoffs. He's just one. And Joe Burrow's a likable guy. I just think with how many QB injuries there were this year and the amount of inconsistencies there were, I think Joe Burrow just kind of found his place amidst those inconsistencies. And he lit it up at the end of the season without his massive end of the season games. And, and this is a terrible argument. Don't get me wrong. I'm never going to sit here and tell you like, Oh, Joe Burrow didn't do this. He wouldn't be as good. Well, no dub. But like, if you think about it, those last two games of the season really elevated him to a top 10 quarterback. And I just don't see that as sustainable into next year. So I saw him as a top 10 quarterback. I just don't have him like uh, as like a absolute top 10 lock. I like him better than some of the other guys. I just don't have him as a top, like, I think he could be fluctuated with some of the guys we'll get to um, in a bit here, but what are your thoughts? You have my QB seven. So I feel like I've been saying this a lot throughout the podcast, but you're a bit more optimistic. Yeah. It's, it's strange having a guy like Joe Burrow this high up for me, right? At QB seven, when you look at the offense and you go, wait, the offense doesn't run through Joe Burrow. It goes through Mixon. 
Mixon was the biggest beneficiary of this year in terms of schemes and stuff. So why is Joe Burrow then in the top 10? Because I think defenses try to sell out a little bit more on Joe Mixon. And Burrow showed that, hey, when you, when you force him to beat you, he will. So I, it's more so a potential upside that I see him at. What's more realistic, probably that like 10, 11 range. But again, he showed it twice, twice this towards the end of the season that you put the ball in his hands, he can make you pay. So he's not someone that you can just go easy on. But if you, if you sell out on him, you give it to Mixon and Mixon can beat you in every kind of way. So it's a really well-balanced offense. But like I said earlier, Mixon was the biggest beneficiary of this offense. I 100% agree, and I think that's why I just, I'm just cooling my jets on Burrow a little bit. He has that upside. I'm not saying he doesn't. I don't want people to draft him at his ceiling, though. I never want people to draft players at their ceiling. It's the worst, like... That's like those mid-round running backs, right? Like the Kareem Hunts, the Mike Davises of the world, right? Like but this past year, Mike Davis, you know, isn't in that conversation anymore, right? But like a lot of those mid-round running back guys, you're drafting at their ceiling, which is why it's, it's abysmal to draft those players at that point. But uh, no, I, I'm with you. I think Joe Burrow's a top 10 quarterback. I just don't think it's like a lock for a top 10 quarterback. Quarterback nine, I really wish Cameron was here. I need him to explain himself on this one. Our quarterback nine is is Matthew Stafford. He was at quarterback five this past season. Cameron has him at quarterback 12. You have him at quarterback 10. I have him at quarterback seven. I don't know how we can disrespect this man who was second in the league in passing yards. Second in touchdowns. I understand he has the most interceptions in the league. He went through his ups and downs just like everybody else. What's changing in that offense other than they might get better next year? They get Cam Akers back. And I understand that might play a part of like how they rely on Stafford less, but still running with Cooper Cup. Shoot, he might even upgrade Robert Woods to Odell Beckham Jr. full-time. I don't know what we want from this man. I, I, He's still a top-seven quarterback in my mind. I think uh, he, just because he is a statue, the man can't move. There's totally downside to that. But after what I saw this year, like I'm in on Matthew Stafford again next year. I think I think we need to clarify all the guys in our top 12 are guys that we consider like starters on your fantasy team. Yes. So me having him at 10, I mean, like I'll list the four guys I have in front of Stafford. Hertz, Burrow, Rogers, and Prescott. Stafford can definitely compete with those guys for, you know, in just pacing with numbers and stuff. So it wouldn't surprise me if he finishes nine, eight, even seven, right? 
I just think there's a I don't know. I mean, I want to use the argument, hey, film is gonna be out now because this is the first year with McVeigh with an actual quarterback. Sorry, Jared Goff. I meant it. Um but like he's that mid-range QB one and he just has to, he just happens to fall at 10 for me. It's not anything that's I lost effort. It's just how this ranking just worked out. Yeah, no. And, and that's fair. I think I'm just more high on what I saw from Stafford this year that he could finish as a top five quarterback, despite having the most interceptions in the league. Mm-hmm. Like that's encouraging to me. Uh, if he can I cut mean, back it, on those yeah. top three, does he become a, would, would he have become a top three quarterback this year? He's I don't know. What the the, conversa- he's in the conversation for it. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what the difference was between um, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, who was quarterback three last year. I don't know what the difference in points was for them, but again, with how close these quarterbacks are, if Stafford cuts back on three, four interceptions, that might bump him up just enough to get into that top five range. So that's my take. I, I just, I think that team's only going to get better and that only helps Stafford. So that just my, just my two cents. QB 10. We have Aaron Rodgers, who's quarterback six this past year. Cameron has my quarterback 10. You have my quarterback eight. I'm a quarterback 11. Uh, still inside the top 10 for you. And like, not at 10. Uh, you, you still like him inside your top 10 and not borderline. Even despite, well, why? Let me just ask that. Why? Because there's a lot of uncertainty with Aaron Rodgers right now. I think no matter where he goes, he goes into a good situation. If he stays in Green Bay, fine. He knows everything in Green Bay. He's Green Bay since day one, right? Like nothing horrible is going to happen to Rodgers in Green Bay. He goes to Denver. Shoe, Hackett, Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick. Noah fans, Javante Williams. And Devontae will want to come with him. They've, he's already stated that. Right? Can't go wrong there. What's another place he's been linked to? Um, uh, Pittsburgh. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Najee Harris. Got to rebuild the offensive Muth. line, but. Firemuth, Mike Tomlin, right? Like, that's my argument for Rodgers is that it's not like he's going to go to a team that is established. And what I mean by established is they're not going to be bottom feeders. They will compete, whether it's for a Super Bowl or for playoffs. He's going to a team that will compete for something. And so I think because of that, when you're a team that competes, you have weapons. And Rodgers likes to have weapons. Devontae's not afraid to tag along with him no matter where he goes. That's all you need to know. If you're if you're a winner, you're going to be productive in fantasy most of the time. That's the matter of fact. So I I, I totally get that argument for Rodgers. I think I'm just a little bit more pessimistic because I think we've been spoiled with some of his previous seasons, right? Like he put up an MVP season this past year. I don't expect him to put up an MVP season again next year. Um, frankly, 
Like I don't expect him to return to like QB 13 Aaron Rodgers from a few years ago, but I just don't think we can expect three consecutive top seven seasons from him. That's just where I'm at after we saw the fall off that we did for two years straight. So uh, here's what I'm going to do. Instead of breaking down all these other quarterbacks, I'm just going to start listing a few and I'm going to pause on like one or two of them. We can quick give our thoughts on them. Beautiful. Quarterback 11, Trey Lance. I do want to pause on this one. (laughs) This one needs to be paused on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can't believe you two have him higher than me. You both have my quarterback nine. I have my quarterback 10. I think oh, I had I've got him at 12. Oh, you have. Oh, I wrote that down. You're right. You do have him at 12. Uh, yes, I do remember that. Uh, you have him at 12. So never mind. Um, he's like, he's like the Jalen Hurts of this upcoming year, right? It's like guy with high rushing upside. You still don't know what his arm talent really is. You have hope, but he's, he like, he, here's my, my take. I was all over Jalen Hurts last year. I am even more in on Trey Lance this year. I, I, I think he's more talented. He has more raw talent than Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was a third round pick. Trey Lance was a top three pick, right? Like, I don't know what else I need to tell you. He's got a cannon of an arm. He's freaking mobile. He's in a better offensive scheme that's going to favor him he was handpicked by this 49ers team. They traded all sorts of capital to go get him. I am not missing out on Trey Lance next year. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to. So he's at quarterback 10 for me. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if by the time draft time comes around, he's closer to like QB eight. Hmm. Yeah. My, my thing with Trey Lance is I think he still has a lot of question marks regarding what potential fantasy production he'll have. And I'll explain this in a couple different ways. One way, potential turnovers. When he did play this season, it wasn't the cleanest. Sure, you can chalk that up to just being a rookie and just still learning your system. But for me, when you're trading the capital that you did for a guy like Trey Lance, you're kind of expecting him to show a little bit more promise than what he showed this year. That's fair. Another way of explaining this, he does have the athleticism to have rushing upside. But is Shanahan actually going to utilize that? And there's signs that show promise, right? He used Devo in a multitude of ways this year. And he got IU going a little bit. He got Elijah Mitchell shocking the world pretty much as a six-round rookie. It's a whole nother ball game, though, when you're trying to get your quarterback to rush the ball. I know that's a risk that some people will take, and I'm assuming you would take that risk. Happily. For me, I can't. I wouldn't. That may just be me because of my luck with fantasy. But I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Trey Lance is going to have a huge rushing season as some of the guys like we've talked about before with Jalen Hurts 
and at the very, very top with Lamar. And the third thing is I guess the combination of all these things is the scheme actually going to work? Is it actually going to suit him? This offense that the Niners are running with Jimmy is very much a run-heavy, outside zone, play-action, over-the-middle offense. Trey Lance doesn't really do that. So do I think Shanahan will adjust the offense? Yes. Yes, I do. Because I think Shanahan's that smart to go. It's not an exact lineup. We need to adjust a couple things. But again, now, after this season, I mean, next season, the franchise is on Trey Lance's shoulders. I don't think he sees it that way. I don't think that's going to be his. I mean, I doubt he'll go into games on Sunday going, man, the franchise franchise is on my back. Like, I've got got to play right today. I don't think he's going to be like that. But we've seen weirder things happen with rookie quarterbacks when you're like, man, the upside is there. He's got potential to really kind of blossom in this offense. And it doesn't really pan out right away. So maybe it's just me being a little more cautious on a rookie quarterback because I think we can fairly call him, if we can correctly call him a rookie quarterback next year. That's fair. I mean, that's what Jalen Hurts was coming into this year too, right? It was like we, we got to see him for like four games last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we really got to see his rookie season this year. Um, I'm going to close out my thoughts by saying I took Trey Lance ahead of Trevor Lawrence in a dynasty in our dynasty league last year. And that's all I need to say. Um, that's how much I believe in Trey Lance and his upside for fantasy football. So uh, quarterback 12 in our consensus rankings, Russell Wilson, he's that borderline top 10 guy. Honestly, I think he might be the most likely quarterback in our top 12 quarterbacks to outperform his rank. Uh, I think he could easily slide into the top eight. Um, But again, we're splitting hairs. This comes down to preference here. Quarterback 13, Justin Fields. This is another mobility thing, right? High rushing upside. Uh, Again, Iberflus is bringing in a good staff around him. Uh, it's not the dream Stafford for Justin Fields, but it's a, it's better than Matt Nagy. Leave it at that. Uh, Cam Cam and I have him at QB 13. You have him at QB 14. QB 14 for us is uh, Gritty Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Uh, he was QB 11 in 2021. Cameron and I have him at QB 14. You have him at QB 13. He's going to he's gonna put up some massive weeks for you. He's going to put up some head scratchers for you. Just not elite enough to crack that top 12. He's borderline. He, he's going to be your best streaming option almost every single week, probably, if your quarterback is on by. This, this is a quarterback I do want to pause on. QB 15 in our rankings, Trevor Lawrence. And the question I want to ask is, do we all of a sudden believe more in Trevor Lawrence now? He finished his quarterback 22 last season. So do we believe in him more now because Doug Peterson was hired? I do. I do as well. Uh, look, Trevor threw the ball so freaking much last year. I believe he was top 10 in the league in pass attempts, but 
He was just garbage in every other statistical category. Uh, worst touchdown percentage in rookie quarterback history and a quarterback who's played more than, uh, I believe it was five games in their rookie season. Worst touchdown percentage in the league in, in rookie QB history. So it was, it, it, it was bad. Trevor Lawrence was pretty bad last year. I'll take Doug Peterson whispering in his ear though. Uh, I think that'll help him out tremendously. Uh, Cameron, I have my QB 15. You have my QB 16. We're all right in the same realm there. Is there any chance he cracks top 12 next year? Give me the percentage. Hmm. 20, 80. 20 that he does, 80 that he doesn't. I think that's where I am too. Uh, I'm not like bold to the point of like 50, 50. I'm nowhere near that. I think I'm closer to 2080. Uh, just a fun question. Cause it, I, you look at it. It's only three, four other quarterbacks ahead of him before he gets to the top 12. And if we're really splitting hairs at quarterbacks, how close is Trevor Lawrence to that? I think he's still a little bit, little, little ways from that. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before. What did, uh, what did Doug Peterson create for Nick Foles on their Super Bowl run? I was just dinked and dunks across the middle of the field. It was just easy completions left and right. What did Trevor Lawrence excel with in Clemson? Yeah, it was all RPO at Clemson. So easy dink and dunks across the middle. Yep. Let's just get back to basics. It's a great match for Trevor Lawrence. Yep. I I am 100% with you there. Uh, And I think where Trevor Lawrence excels at more than Nick Foles is his actual ability to push the ball down the field. Nick Foles had a great arm. Look, Trevor Lawrence wasn't their number one prospect since Andrew Luck. QB prospect since Andrew Luck, right? To, uh, right it, there's talent there. Nick Foles was never that. Quarterback 16 in our consensus. Oh, goodness, excuse me. Consensus ranks for next year. Ryan Tannehill finished as a very confusing quarterback 12 in 2021. Uh, Cameron has at 16. You have at 15. I'm at 17. Uh, it, it's not a sexy pick, but if he's still the course starting quarterback in Tennessee, he's thrown to AJ Brown. He's thrown to Julio Jones. They have Derrick Henry in the run game. It's a really good offense. Ryan Tannehill just isn't that guy anymore. I think it's as simple as that. I think we can make, I, I shouldn't say it that way. I think a big reason why he didn't produce this year, like he has in the past is I, I because of the offensive coordinator, 100% agree. Play calling, like, yeah, you got Derrick Henry going, but you couldn't get your passing game going until like the second half of the season. And it wasn't even that great of a passing game. Like, you got AJ Brown going, but you couldn't figure out a way to get Julio Jones going. And those were literally your only two guys. Heck, I think I saw, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what week it was. And it, it may be a little bit of a skewed stat just because Julio missed some time. But Nick Westbrook Eichene was a more productive receiver than Julio Jones. That tells me all I need to know. That tells me all. It says a lot, and it's, it's not good. No. I think Arthur Smith leaving was the worst thing that could have happened for that offense. He was deserving of a head coaching job. He was. He was deserving. It's the worst thing that could have happened for that offense. So quarterback 17 for next year. 
uh, as of right now in our way too early rankings. Derek Carr is a quarterback 13 this past year. You and uh, Cameron have both had my QB 18 and my QB 16. Look, he, again, not a sexy option. He's going to be a streaming option for you every single week. Tua Tagovailoa cracks our top 20 at QB 18 in our consensus ranks. Cameron and I have my quarterback 19. You have my quarterback 17. Look, they brought in Mike McDaniel. He's going to do some exciting things with this offense. I think he's going to be able to open it up for Tua. Uh, look, I made a video about this on my personal TikTok profile uh, at Lucas Wenzel. If you want to go follow that, uh, Tyler is at uh, Tyler FFF on TikTok as well. Go give that man a follow too. Um, Tua had the highest percent of RPO dropbacks last year. Did you know that? Really? Highest percent of RPO dropbacks. Uh, percent. What? He was fourth behind Patrick Mahomes. Ben, uh, no, not Ben Roethlisberger. There was four of the QBs ahead of him, though. Um, but percent-wise, Tua Tagovailoa ran the highest percent of RPO last year, uh, and he was uh, eighth in uh, completion percentage over expectation as well. He was awesome in the short game. When he held onto the ball too long, yeah, that's where he got into trouble. But I like Tua for next year. I think Mike McDaniel is going to bring in a fun and exciting system. It's going to give Tua some opportunity. So. That's where I'm at on two. Uh, clearly, you have some optimism at QB 17 as well. Mac Jones is Q- quarterback 19 for us. I do want to pause on this one just to ask a question. Um, Cameron has my QB 17. You and I have him. Well, you have my QB 19. I have my QB 20. I am far less optimistic on Mac Jones now that Josh McDaniels is gone. Like, I struggled to put him inside my top 20. That's a great point. I struggle to, I like, like, I'm not calling Josh McDaniel, you know, a Sean McVay mastermind, but he's the one running that offense. Bill Belichick, like, sure. He, you know, gets the guy who knows how to fit the system, but like, who are they going to bring in? That's going to match Josh McDaniel. I couldn't, I couldn't force him outside of my top 20, but like, he's right at 20. I don't like, I don't think Mac Jones has a sophomore leap next year. And if it is, it's marginal. It's like a sophomore bunny hop. Uh, Do you feel the same way? Yeah. I mean, the more that I think about it, I'll go bold. I'll go bold. I think Daniel Jones finishes above Mac Jones next year. I have him ranked higher. I have him ranked higher than Mac Mac Jones. Daniel Jones is our quarterback 20. I have Mac quarterback 18 uh you you have my quarterback 21 cam has a quarterback 22 but i take it after that take you're going to adjust your rankings to put daniel jones higher than mac jones literally doing it right now yeah i daniel jones is going to see improvement with brian dable mac Mm -hmm. jones like i i don't know he'll he'll improve because he has another year in the league but like the worst thing that could have happened to mac jones is josh mcdaniel leaving having less consistency that's killer for quarterbacks i i just i i i cannot see myself having any shares of mac jones next year which is just sad uh because he had a really really solid rookie campaign i think about slightly better than what people expected I think his saving grace is if they if the Patriots can keep the run game going, because then you can use him in play action. Right. Yeah. 
that's fair. And if they bring in a big body wide receiver, if they do bring in a, a Mike Williams and Allen Robinson, shoot, if they trade for Calvin Ridley, right? Like if you get him an elite weapon, that's not named Kendrick Bourne, that's not named uh, Jacoby Myers, like get him a wide receiver one. Shoot, I don't know. Maybe you take a guy like Drake London or Jameson Williams in the right. draft. Get him someone exciting on the outside to throw to. Traylon Burks. I don't know if he'll actually fall to New England, but point he should be there. He should be there by then. So I get someone big and exciting for Mac Jones to throw to. Come on, Bill. We touched on Daniel Jones. Again, he's going to improve the table. I think that's all we need to say there. That yep. wraps out our top 20 quarterback rankings are way too early quarterback rankings for the 2022 NFL season. One name we did leave off Sean Watson, mostly because he just, he's still on the Texans. He's not going to play as long as he's on the Texans and shoot. Even if he's traded, we don't know if he'll play. Uh, I'll tell you right now, if he plays, he slides into our top six quarterbacks and that's it. I don't need to give you much other analysis on that. Tyler, anything else, any final thoughts for the people before we sign off? Y'all are excited for the Super Bowl on Sunday. I am too, but not for the game. I'm excited for when the final, when the clock hits zero in the fourth quarter and me and Cam can finalize our dynasty trade. He just called that, 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 that that's a shot at our entire, at our entire league. And I'm, and I'm behind them. I'm behind them. I stand with my friends. I agree. <laughs> I stand with my fellows. I stand with my fellows. Uh, speaking of Super Bowl, we have a massive Super Bowl podcast coming on Thursday for you all. Cameron will be back for that. I will be out. I am unavailable uh, at the time that they will be recording. But Cameron and Tyler will bring you a massive Super Bowl podcast on uh, it'll probably come on on Friday. So uh, we are looking forward to that great game coming up this weekend. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas. Uh, make sure to follow us on the socials, FF Fellas on Twitter, the FF Fellas on Instagram, Fantasy Football Fellas, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. 27.3 thousand followers on TikTok. Drop a follow over there. We're releasing content there every single day. Shoot, you know what? Go follow our personal TikToks. Tyler, is yours FFF Tyler or Tyler FFF? It is FFF Tyler. FFF Tyler on TikTok. Mine is simply Lucas Wenzel, W-E-N-C-S-N-C-A-T-L. And Cameron is Cameron Lawrence 5 on TikTok. Go get those follows. We're going to be dropping some personal takes there. Uh, we're going to start using our account, our uh, Fancy Football Fellows account, as more broad general takes. Sometimes I've just kind of slid my takes in there for, for content, but we're going to start posting on our own personal accounts too. You get a lot of our own personal opinions on there that you might not even hear on the podcast. So with all that said, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas. It's Tyler and I, Two Stooges, B and Dues with Cameron Spirit. Deuces. Deuces. Deuces.